God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints Podcast. My name is Dr. Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate the Queen Martha Shushanik of Georgia. Shushanik was born as Vavedi Mamikonian from an influential Armenian family. She was a 5th century Queen of Georgia at a time when Christian Georgia was under the thrall of the Zoroastrian Persian Empire. She married Vaskan, the Viceroy of Georgia, who himself was also from a pious Christian family. However, Vaskan converted to Zoroastrianism to gain favor with the Persians. Vaskan took another wife, the daughter of the Persian king, and promised that Shushanik too would convert to Zoroastrianism. We will read of the geopolitical background of the saints' martyrdom from Saint Shushanik of Georgia, Women in the Early Georgian Church, by Lasha Chanturitze in the Canadian Journal of Orthodox Christianity. The 5th century account of the martyrdom of Saint Shushanik, the oldest surviving Georgian language manuscript, describes the final years in the life of the queen of a Georgian principality, a daughter of a distinguished Armenian general, Saint Vartan Mamikonian, Shushanik was married to a Georgian feudal and viceroy of significant influence and power, Vaskan. Christianity had been the official religion of Georgia since 326, and Vaskan, a son of Christian parents, was nominally a Christian ruler as well, under a Christian king. Viceroy Vaskan inherited the throne from his father, who distinguished himself by supporting the church and protecting Christianity. However, in search of power and new alliances, Vaskan betrayed his king and religion and converted to a pagan religion of the neighboring Persian Empire. Persians at that time were predominantly Zoroastrians, and so Vaskan also became one. He pledged his allegiance to the Persian king and even asked his daughter's hand. Vaskan's wife, Shushanik, however, refused to follow his husband into his new religion and condemned his apostasy. In response to her husband's apostasy, Saint Shushanik gathered the children and fled to a small cottage near the church. When Vaskan returned to Georgia, 
He received a chilly reception from the priests of the land and a harsh rebuke from his wife. This account is from the Georgian text of the martyrdom of St. Sushanik, translated by David Marshall Lang in his book, Lives and Legends of the Georgian Saints. The next day, the Pityaksh, that is, Vaskan, summoned a priest as soon as he had got up and went to him. He received us agreeably and said to us, Be at your ease and do not shrink away from me. In reply, we said to him, You have brought damnation on yourself and on us also. Then he began to speak and said, How could my wife allow herself to do such a thing to me? Now go and tell her that she has degraded my person and sprinkled ashes upon my bed and forsaken her rightful place and gone elsewhere. To this Saint Shushanik replied, It is not I who either exalted your person or degraded it. Your father raised up sepulchres for the martyrs and built churches, and you have ruined the deeds of your father and destroyed his good works. Your father invited saints into his house, but you invite devils. He confessed and believed in the God of heaven and earth, but you have renounced the true God and bowed down before the fire. Just as you have despised your Creator, so I pour contempt upon you. Even if you inflict many tortures on me, I will have no part in your doings. We reported all this to the Pityaksh, and as a result of which she became angry and bellowed with rage. Vaskan summons Saint Shushanik back to the palace, and she is forced to comply. When she refuses to drink wine at a family dinner, Vaskan is furious and beats her savagely. Vaskan's brother, Jojik, rescues her from further abuse, and even a Persian official at the court urges Vaskan to not treat her so harshly. We continue from Lang's translation of the martyrdom of St. Shushanik. Vaskan began to utter foul-mouthed insults and kicked with his foot. Picking up a poker, he crashed it on her head and split it open and injured one of her eyes. And he struck her face unmercifully with his fists and dragged her to and fro by her hair bellowing like a wild beast and roaring like a madman. Jojik, his brother, rose to protect her and came to grips with him and struck him. After her veil had been torn from her head, Jojik dragged her from Vaskan's hands like a lamb from the claws of a wolf. St. Shushanik lay like a corpse upon the ground while Vaskan abused her kinsfolk and called her the denier of his home and he commanded her to be bound and chains to be attached to her feet. When he had calmed down a little from his outburst of rage, the Persian came to him and urgently begged him to free St. Shushanik from her chains. After insistent pleading, he ordered her to be unchained and taken to a cell and carefully guarded. 
He was to have one servant, and nobody else would be allowed to visit her, neither man nor woman. When it was dawn, he asked her servant, How are her wounds? He said to him, They are past healing. Then he himself went and looked at her, and was greatly astonished at the size of her swelling. And he directed the servant not to let anyone come and see her. He himself went out hunting. The priest Jacob, the author of this account, the martyrdom of Saint Shoshanik, finds a way to visit the saint while in prison and sees firsthand the terrible injuries suffered by Saint Shushanik for the sake of her faith. Even by visiting like this, Jacob puts himself in terrible danger. We continue with his account under Lang's translation. But I got up and went and said to the guard, Just let me in by myself to have a look at her wounds. But he said to me, What if he finds out and kills me? I said to him, Miserable man, did she not bring you up and educate you? If he kills you for her sake, what have you to regret? Then he let me in secretly. When I went in, I saw her face all slashed and swollen, and I raised my voice and wept. But St. Shushanik said to me, Do not weep for me, since this night has been for me the beginning of joy. And I said to St. Shushanik, Let me wash the blood from your face and the dust which has fallen into your eyes, and apply ointment and medicine, so that, please God, you may be cured. But St. Shushanik said to me, do not say that, Father, for this blood is for the cleansing of my sins. But I gently forced her to take some food, which had been sent by Bishop Samuel and John, who secretly watched over her and saw to her welfare. St. Shushanik said to me, Father, I cannot taste anything, because my jaws and several of my teeth are broken. Then I brought a little wine and bread and dipped it in, and she tasted a little, and I made haste to go out. Baskin is distracted by a military campaign against the Huns, but upon his return, continues with his abuses against St. Shushanik and against the church. On Monday in Easter week, the Pityach returned from fighting against the Huns. The devil animated his heart, and he arose and went to the church and said to Bishop Afots, Give me my wife. Why are you keeping her away from me? And he began to curse and utter violent maledictions against God. But a priest said to him, Lord, why are you behaving like this? and uttering such evil words, and cursing the bishop, and speaking with anger against the saintly Shoshanik. But he struck the priest in the back with his staff, so that he dared not say anything more. So Saint Shoshanik was dragged out by force through the mud, 
and over the thorns from the church to the palace, just as if they were dragging a corpse along. And he ordered her to be tied up and beaten, and reviled her, saying, Now you see that your church is no help to you, nor those Christian supporters of yours, nor that God of theirs. Three hundred blows they struck her with a stick, without any moan or complaint passing her lips. After this, Satrushanik said to the impious Voskhan, Unhappy man, you have had no pity on yourself, and cut yourself off from God. How can you have pity on me? When he saw the blood flowing abundant from her tender flesh, he ordered a chain to be fastened round her neck, and commanded a chamberlain to take St. Shushanik to the castle, and imprisoned her in a dark dungeon to die. St. Shushanik would remain imprisoned for six years. While in prison, her faith did not waver, and she continued to observe church services and read holy books. God even granted her the grace to perform miracles, which became renowned all over Georgia. We continue with the account of the martyrdom of St. Shushanik. But St. Shushanik was not released from her shackles until her death, for she remained six years in the castle and blossomed forth with her religious observances, ever fasting, keeping vigil, and watching in unwearing adoration and assiduous reading of holy books. The entire castle was made radiant and beautiful by the lyre of her spirit. From now on, her works became renowned throughout all Georgia. Men and women used to come for the fulfillment of their vows. Whatever they had need of was bestowed on them through the holy prayer of the Blessed Shoshonic, namely a child to the childless, healing to the sick, and to the blind, a restoration of sight. The priest Jacob ends his account of St. Shoshonic's last day in prison thus. She is in a miserable condition, but continues to give thanks to God in her last days. When she had passed six years in this prison, excessive weariness from her feats of courage and devotion brought sickness upon her. Furthermore, that place was incredibly infested with fleas and lice. In the summertime, the heat of the sun burns like fire, the winds are torrid, and the waters infected. The inhabitants of the region are themselves affected with various diseases, being swollen with dropsy, yellow with jaundice, pockmarked, withered up, mangy, pimply, bloated of face and brief of life and nobody attains old age in that district. When the seventh year had begun, the holy and thrice-blessed Shushanik was afflicted with an ulcer of the flesh. As a result of her tireless acts of piety, her feet became swollen and pustules broke out on various parts of her body. 
The ulcers were very large and infested with worms. One of these she held out in her hand and showed it to me and gave thanks to God, saying, Father, do not let the sight of this upset you. There, that is, in hell, the worm is greater and never dies. When I saw this worm, I was afflicted with inexpressible distress and wept greatly. But she retorted sharply, Father, why are you sorrowful? Rather than being eaten by those immortal worms, it is better to be consumed here in this life by mortal ones. When Jojik heard that the Blessed Queen Saint Shushanik was near to death, he went out and brought with him his wife and children and his servants and retainers and came to the castle to see the saintly Shushanik, the martyr. Then she blessed Jojik and his wife and children and his servants and retainers and all the members of his household and bade them walk in the ways of God. And she took leave of them and sent them away in peace. After Jojik there came Archbishop Samuel and his friend Bishop John, who had encouraged her and taken part in her good works. Likewise there came the grandees and noble ladies, the gentry and common folk of the land of Georgia. Their eyes were filled with tears as they said farewell to her, and they offered up praise to God for her glorious works, and then they left the castle and departed. Then came the day when she was to be called away, and she summoned the bishop attached to her household, Aphots, and thanked him for his kindness, which equaled that of a father and a foster parent. She called for me, sinner and wretch that I am, and committed to us the relics of her bones, commanding us to bury them in that place from which she was first dragged forth. And she said, Though I am but a worker of the eleventh hour in the vineyard, if I have any merit, you shall all be blessed for ever and ever. Then she gave thanks to God, saying, Blessed is our Lord God, and on him I will lay myself down and sleep in peace. And she entrusted her soul to the Lord, who receives all mankind in his mercy. Vaskin would perish himself only a few years later, killed by the Georgian king and saint Vaktang in a rebellion against the Persians. Georgia and Armenia remain today Christian nations, despite centuries of conflict with Zoroastrian Persia and Muslim Persia. And this is a legacy of St. Shushanik's martyrdom. Lasha Chantaritsa's article, St. Shushanik of Georgia, Women in the Early Georgian Church, sums up St. Shushanik's legacy thus. St. Shushanik played a crucial role in the preservation of Christianity in the southern Georgia in the 5th century. It seems to be a norm in the Orthodox Church that at a number of crucial times in history, it was women's dedication that saved the Church. In the ancient Roman Empire, during harsh pagan persecutions, 
female deacons and women in general kept the Christian communities together. Female deacons would visit houses of the faithful, give them communion, visit the sick and needy, and thus maintain the links that were otherwise severed due to arrests and executions of many clerics and lay Christians. The pagan authorities of Rome mostly left women alone. Either did not suspect them providing crucial services for the church, or did not see them as a threat. In more recent times, in the Soviet Russia and Ukraine, women literally saved the Orthodox Church. In many ways, it was mostly old women who preserved the church and prevailed over the KGB. They sung in choirs, helped the priests, attended the services, maintained tradition, and basically kept the church alive. Much like their Roman counterparts, the Soviet authorities did not see women as threat to their regime. They would let women, especially the older women, babushkas, attend church services, while they would arrest men or prevent them from entering church buildings. When Vaskin, the viceroy of southern Georgia, abandons Christ and threatens both the Christian church and the unity of his country, he does not expect such formidable defiance and opposition from his wife. Everyone else he can subdue with violence, but he cannot make his own wife comply with him. Vaskin's visible, physical violence is met with an invisible force of Shushanik's dedication and faith. The Viceroy kills his wife, but in the end, he and his supporters are defeated by Shushanik's deeds. Shushanik's martyrdom saves the church, puts priorities in order, rallies people, and eventually leads to Vaskin's downfall and the defeat and expulsion of the Persians. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints Podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints podcast and be blessed by these stories of the saints. St. Shushanik is commemorated in the Eastern Orthodox Church on the 17th of October. Let us end with the Eastern Orthodox Troparian and Kontakian for her feast day. Your holy martyr Shushanik, O Lord, through her sufferings has received an incorruptible crown from you, our God. For having your strength, she laid low her adversaries and shattered the powerless boldness of demons through her intercessions save our souls. You appeared as a bright star announcing Christ with your radiance, which is repulsive to this world, O Martha Shushanik, 
extinguishing the allure of false gods. You enlighten the faithful, always interceding for us all. Thank you.